Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast, where we strive to bring you useful and timely information to inspire and encourage you on your journey with histiocytosis. This is episode 56, Standing Up to ECD with Courage and Hope. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Wisniewski. In today's episode, as we get close to wrapping up Histiocytosis Awareness Month, we have the privilege of sharing the remarkable journey of Barry, a true warrior who has faced irritime chester disease, or ECD, with unwavering courage and a heart filled with hope. Join us as we delve into Barry's story and discover the incredible strength that emerges when faced with adversity. So let's get started. Hello, and a very special welcome to our Histio community and listeners. It's hard to believe that we're almost at the end of Histiocytosis Awareness Month already. So many great activities and initiatives have taken place this month, as I'm sure you know if you follow us on social media. You have all really stepped up this year to tell the world about Histio and bring awareness to these terrible diseases. And for that, we say thank you. As we get ready to wind down this special month, I wanted to bring some awareness to one of the rarer forms of histiocytosis, ECD, or Erdheim-Chester disease. It's been a little while since we've brought you a patient story, so I thought this was the perfect time to do both of these things by inviting a very special guest to share his journey with ECD. Barry Atnip is an ECD patient, husband to our very own outreach coordinator, Melinda. He's a father and is the vice president of operations at the family business Atnip Co. Barry, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so happy to learn more about your story. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I would love to start out by just having you kind of introduce yourself and telling us a little bit about who you are outside of Histio, about what you do, what kind of activities you enjoy. Tell us about Barry. Well, once again, my name's Barry Atnip, and I live here in uh, Fullerton, California, which is in Southern California, down kind of by Disneyland. And I have a family. I have two uh, boys and uh, my beautiful wife, Melinda, and I work in the family business, like you said, and Outside of um, Erdheim-Chester disease, which is the whole rest of my life, I uh, obviously work, I have hobbies, I like to ski and hike and mountain bike and exercise and uh, do things with uh, my family and uh, kind of before the whole Erdheim-Chester thing came along, I coached for many years, I coached Little League Baseball for many years and then I coached high school water polo for about nine years and uh Right as my coaching career was ending is when Erdheim Chester started to sneak up on me. So that all kind of worked out. Well, why don't we jump right into that then? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your histio journey and maybe some of this, the symptoms that you were having that alerted you to the fact that something was wrong and, and caused you to go to the doctor for the first place? Hmm. Well, back when I was coaching uh, several years back, um, I was busy and you're, you know, you're burning the candle at both ends and my legs... My legs were just aching, and I just thought that was, well, because I was getting older, and that's just kind of how life mm-hmm. is, and uh, it turns out that's not what it was. It was the Erdheim-Chester disease, and then um, right at the end of my coaching career, like in, um, like in uh, right before COVID, basically, the year before COVID, I got diabetes insipidus, and mm-hmm. which, which obviously meant yeah. that I was going to the bathroom all the time. I went from going to the bathroom a lot to going to the bathroom every 20 minutes. So we knew something was wrong there. So that that's what really uh, drove me to the doctor was uh, 
was diabetes insipidus. They obviously said there's a problem with your pituitary gland, but uh, we're not exactly sure what's causing it. So here's some Desmopressin, and uh, you're off to the races. So I started taking that hormone, and I was back. I was basically cured of that and back living my life. And then uh, another year or so went by, and then um, my gut, my gut really – this was right at the beginning of COVID. So to tell you that kind of time frame, what that's uh, that's like uh, early 2020, my gut really started bothering me. And, uh so that finally got me to a doctor, and then that finally got me. They wanted to do a CT scan, but I didn't want to, and I waited. Um, uh, I tried to wait it out, trying to think it was my diet and everything, and then um, try to get that fixed. But still, my gut wasn't getting any better, so I finally gave in and went and did the CT scan. And that's, uh, that's really when my Erdheim-Chester disease journey began. It's when I did that CT scan and... Um, I don't know. That was like May. Maybe that was like May of uh, 2020. And then they're just the doctors, everyone freaked out. You know, they just thought I had lymphoma. And they instantly thought my phone my phone was ringing, telling me that I, they thought I had lymphoma. And that I had to go, obviously, see an oncologist right away. And that, whole, that started that whole process. That was that started, and I met with an oncologist, and we got a whole bunch of bad news, and we all thought it was going to be horrible, and they they thought I had lymphoma, and they're talking about ports and bone marrow biopsies and everything I had to get done right away because they saw what was inside me, which was all the uh, fibrosis that was caused by the Erdheim Chester disease. So um, they saw that and were you know freaking out, and then obviously so were we, and. Uh, then we decided to uh, just get a second opinion. We're, we're here in Fullerton. they got good doctors in Fullerton up at St. Jude. They do a great job, but it's impossible for every doctor to know about every disease. It's just, it's just impossible. But we decided to go to UCI, which is a University of California, Irvine, which is not too far from uh, where we live in Irvine, California. And we met with a nice doctor there named um, Dr. Pinter Brown. And she kind of started the journey. You know, before you know it, you're doing PET scans and and blood work and, and uh, biopsies and uh, all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's still she she wasn't sure what was going on. She wasn't it. She was very patient, which was nice. She uh, she said to me, like, let's not freak out here. You know, there's 70 different types of lymphoma. And I think that's what she said. And uh and uh, we got to figure out what's going on here before we go too crazy. So she took her time, and, and which I think made me feel good. And um, I had to do a couple biopsies, and then I had to um, do a ton of blood work. And then she was doing scans, and bone marrow biopsies, and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, that, that whole year kind of went by doing all that kind of stuff, and Things were just getting worse, and uh, my eye started going bad on me. My left eye started going bad on me because um, turns out the Erdheim Chester disease was creating a cancerous mass behind my eye, and that was uh, that was bothering me. But they didn't know all these things were related. They didn't they didn't know that the leg pain and the diabetes insipidus and the eye problem, the gut, they didn't know they were all really related until uh, they started putting it together, and it took. I don't know. It probably took seven, eight months or so, and uh, but finally, some um, 
some radiologist, I think, saw one of my slides and uh, said possible ECD. And then that changed everything. And then from that moment on, we started going down that path. And then um, Dr. Pinter Brown sent me to a doctor at Stanford called Dr. Martin, who looked at all my scans and records and all that stuff. And she said, yep, it's your lucky day. You got Erdheim Chester disease. So, um, so that, that <laughs> happened on uh, January 19th, 2021. So, um, that's kind of when that kind of started. That's kind of the beginning and then kind of the start of my, uh, Erdheim Chester disease. And then, um, then we just started going from there. So there's a lot more to that story, but that's at least that part of it from not knowing to knowing. So now at mm-hmm. least we um, we knew what we were up against and what that meant. So that's kind of what happened there. And we had, you know, a bunch of steps after that. The Dr. Martin who diagnosed me up at Stanford, uh, COVID was going on and she was real busy and and she was trying to work out a plan and get that down to Dr. Dr. Pinter Brown, my oncologist at UCI. And that was taking a little time. So when we found out what we were dealing with, Erdheim Chester disease, you know, my wife Melinda started looking everything up and looking at uh, finding places like the Histiocytosis Association and finding places like the Erdheim Chester Disease Global Alliance. And these are all the nice people that work on these things. Because of that, she was able to find out about this doctor, some doctor named Dr. Diamond in New York City. When the thing wasn't happening super fast from Dr. Martin up at Stanford and getting a treatment plan, we talked to, we talked to Dr. Pinter Brown in UCI and we said, well, we heard that the, the best, the number one doctor on the planet resides at Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York City. Dr. Pinter Brown, what do you think about us going back there? And she said right to my little face, she said, um, well, if it was me, I'd go. So mm-hmm. we, um, we decided to take a trip to New York City, and then that's, when, and that's what changed everything. I mean, Dr. Diamond, and then he introduced us to Dr. Francis. When you got connected with Dr. Martin, was that someone that Dr. Pinter Brown already knew? She had somehow knew about Dr. Martin and knew Dr. Martin had an expertise and one of the few out here in the West Coast that had some knowledge of Erdheim-Chester disease. So somehow Dr. Pinter Brown, with her years of experience, somehow knew Dr. Martin up at Stanford. She found a home for us. Like Here's someone at least who knows more about Erdheim-Chester disease than, than she did, Dr. Pinter Brown. And Dr. Pinter Brown is awesome. She's a very experienced, and she treats lymphoma. And she said people come from all over to see her, so it makes sense. It does. It, it, it's not crazy to have to travel to see a doctor. And she said, Barry, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do whatever these doctors say, because they're the Erdheim Chester disease experts. So I'm going to do what they say, and that in some ways uh, made me gave me hope because it's telling me that. There's people out there that even know more than she knows about it, and she's going to follow their path. So, The reason I asked that question is because being in the midst of Histiocytosis Awareness Month, um, I think it's also important that we raise awareness among the, the medical community, too, because 
you know, this could have gone a number of different ways, but she happens to know a doctor that might know more than her. And it's because somewhere along the way, some kind of awareness was raised. And so I think that that's a really um, important point to make that it's, it's, it's really, really important to, to know that the medical community knows about these diseases as well. And they know what to look for and how to diagnose and, and how to treat as well. So I'm, I'm glad that you were able to find Dr. Martin and get connected with her and then, and then continue down that road to Dr. Diamond and Dr. Francis. And uh, you're in, you're in very good hands. <laughs> I, I really feel I am. I, um, we travel back to uh, New York about every six months or so and uh, meet with Dr. Diamond and Dr. Francis. And uh, obviously it's changed my life for the better. Mm-hmm. Right. When you have a complex diagnosis such as yours, this often goes like hand in hand with different mental health and coping challenges. Did you have some moments in this journey where you faced these kinds of challenges? And if so, how did how did you cope with them and, and move forward? How did you find that hope that you, you spoke about? Hmm. Well, uh, staying busy, trying to stay busy, trying to stay active. I like to ski and mountain bike and do things with my two boys and my wife. And uh, so that's one way I coped with it. I, I kept trying to go to work as much as I could, trying to go to work every day at least a little bit, staying involved in the family business. And my family was uh, very, very supportive of, of me because I had a million doctor's appointments. I had to go do blood work a thousand times. And they were very supportive through all of it. And uh, just staying super busy and then planning things planning ski trips, planning things to do, things to look forward to. So uh, we did a lot of that. We started planning trips and things to kind of give me hope to look forward to. So I had something positive to think about. During that time, were there any specific resources that that helped you? Mm. Well, during that time, the resources really helped us from um, the Histiocytosis Association, the Erdheim Chester Disease Global Alliance. Those really helped us, obviously, in the beginning, because that's how we found that's how we found Doctor Diamond. Then the resources from those two groups helped us better understand Erdheim Chester disease, because if you look up, even right now, if you took your phone out of your pocket and looked up Erdheim Chester disease, it, I, I it's it's, it says like, uh, well, if you get Erdheim Chester disease, you're going to die in three years. Have a nice day. There's no cure. Good luck. And it doesn't have any really good news. It's still so new, and uh, there's still um, new developments, and they're still figuring it out. And uh, and the internet hasn't caught up yet. You know, the internet. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks the internet knows everything. Well, let me tell you a little secret. The internet doesn't know everything, and they have not caught up to what all these good doctors are doing with uh, diseases like Erdheim and Chester disease. So the resources from those two organizations helped us get more accurate, better information. And you started getting information about the treatment, the treatment programs, and the success that they're having, and uh, uh, things along those lines. Well, I'm sure that along this journey so far, there's been several things, but what would you say is the thing that has been the most surprising in your journey with ECD? We're going to take a short break to share with you some very important information, but stay tuned because when we come back, we'll get to hear Barry's surprising answer to what has been most surprising to him along his journey. We'll be right back. 
Hi, I'm Ty. And I'm Michelle, and we're the hosts of the Histio TIE Fighters 5K. Bring your lightsabers and stormtrooper masks and come run in the 7th Annual TIE Fighters 5K. It's a family-friendly fundraising event that will be held in person at Burke Lake Park on Sunday, October 8th, and also virtually to benefit the Histiocytosis Association. Also, come meet the 501st Legion. Hope to see you there. One way you can make a big impact this Awareness Month is by participating in research. Patient registries bring together data to evaluate longitudinal outcomes, best practices, treatment guidelines, and to support research and therapeutic development. The Histiocytosis Association has partnered with two institutions for histiocytosis patient registries. The first, led by the University of Alabama, is the Histiocytosis Follow-Up Study for People with ECD, LCH, RDD, and JXG, and is aimed to better understand the possible health problems that people with histiocytic disorders suffer from. You can learn more by emailing histio, H-I-S-T-I-O, at uabmc.edu. The second, led by Cincinnati Children's Hospital, is the INTO-HLH Registry, aimed at advancing what is known about HLH and other similar disorders, such as MAS. The insights obtained from this registry will help doctors to better diagnose and manage HLH and improve treatment outcomes for future patients. Visit hlhregistry.org to learn more. Our hope is to change the future and see a world free of histiocytosis. We hope you'll join the fight. Thank you and happy Histiocytosis Awareness Month. Welcome back to part two of my interview with Barry as he shares more about the hope he has and wants to share with you. So let's dive in. Well, I'm sure that along this journey so far, there's been several things, but what would you say is the thing that has been the most surprising in your journey with ECD? Most surprising is one day you think you're going to die. One day you think it's over, and now with these new treatments, it's not. So mm. that's the surprise. Look it up on the internet. It's you're done. It's over. You start. You start doing what I do. You start planning. And you start checking your life insurance, and you start figuring out what the next thing's going to be for your family because you ain't going to be around for a long time. And that's the surprise. Is and it's obviously a good surprise. That's the surprise. Is that mm. they have treatments now. People like mm-hmm. Dr. Diamond who put these treatments together, and they work. I mean, I, I, no matter how you slice it, I've now had like two and a half good good years that I probably should have, you know, up until just recently, those weren't going to be good years. I've been doing things, traveling, skiing, hiking, spending time with my family. And since I started treatment, I started my treatment with Dr. Diamond on April 1st, 2021, and everything was going bad at that point. I mean, I, my... Doctors were talking to me about me losing my me losing my eyesight. Doctors were talking to me about this disease or time Chester disease can do you in. You know, th- that's the kind of information I was getting. So the surprise was there's uh, treatments out there that work, that actually work. <laughs> How about that for a surprise? <laughs> yeah. That's the best kind of surprise there is. <laughs> 
what what would you say were some maybe unexpected strengths or qualities that you've discovered within yourself since your diagnosis? Mm, empathy for <laughs> other people, you know, mm. it's, and now I'm, I, I, you know, now things are going good for me. I feel bad for people who, who have different diseases and different problems in their life and uh, they're struggling, having more, you know, more empathy for people like that that are going through a hard time, either with their health, with their mental health, or whatever it may be. It's not always, you know, rainbow, rainbows and unicorns, you know. Mm. It's not everything's not always perfect. So uh, you got to think about what other people are going through. Right, right. Well, speaking of other people, an aspect of this kind of a diagnosis that I want to kind of focus on for a, a, little, a little bit is the impact that it has on the family around you. One uh, major person that you've expressed has had a monumental support to you has been your wife, Melinda, who I mentioned earlier is now the outreach coordinator at the Histiocytosis Association. How has your relationship and her support been instrumental in your resilience and your journey through this rare disease? Well, she did everything. I just went to the appointments. I never Mm -hmm. made an appointment. I never took a note. I never even... It took me a month to even learn the name of the drugs I was taking. She Mm. did everything. She had a binder that was four inches thick full of paper and information and and CDs that had my PET scan on it and everything else under the sun. And um, she did it all. All I did was show up. And obviously that uh, saved my life. So that was, uh, I mean, that's obviously, that's what made this all work hmm. and then obviously my family my family's very supportive my boys were very supportive and watching after me and, and uh making sure i was happy and obviously in the family business my brothers and my dad and all the nice people i work with knew that i was trying to work and get some things done but that i wasn't i wasn't going to be as active as i had been in the past so um a lot of people looking out for me and friends i had friends too that um that really uh, helped me get through with it. So without my friends and my family and my coworkers, uh, I'm sure it would be a whole different story. That's awesome. It's, it's so important that we surround ourselves with good supportive people for the, for the good times and especially the bad times. And they're oftentimes, you know, what, what helps us to make it through. So that's amazing that you had all of that support. As far as your your children go, how how do you believe that this experience has influenced or shaped your relationship with them? How did how did they manage the news of this diagnosis and and the way your lifestyle changed after that? I, you know, I'm not sure. You know, obviously they were worried. They were worried. I'm sure about you know they don't want anything happening to their dad. Obviously, and uh, you know, they're, they're, I have two good boys that um, really look after me and and care and a lot for me and uh, love me. So um, they were just two good kids, you know, looking after their dad. Back in uh, April of this year, you attended the ECD Global Alliance Patient and Family Meeting at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. I was also at that meeting and I heard you speak about hope. And during that, um, that presentation, you talked about Drs. Diamond and Francis, who you've talked about here today already uh, from Memorial Sloan Kettering and how they were purveyors of hope for you. Tell us a little bit more about that. What specifically did they do or say to make you feel hopeful in your journey? 
Well, I didn't even want to go to New York. I <laughs> didn't understand how important it was. My wife, Melinda, was pushing it. She knew because she was the one doing all the work. And then uh, my, my oncologist here, like I said, she thought it was a good idea. But I, I had no idea why I had to go to New York. You, you, you're telling me right now that there's no doctors out here in Southern California that can handle something like this. Well, let me tell you, there's no doctors here in Southern California and here in Orange County that can handle something like this. So I was wrong. And when you have something like this that's um, rare and, um, and deadly, you most likely need to find the right People that really uh, make it their like, passion, their Dr. Diamond and Dr. Francis. They want to look after these rare people like us and, um, and take care of us. And man, have um, they really done a number here. So they have, they've done an amazing job. And so we got back there to New York, and it was right during COVID and all that. You know, when you got off the airplane in New York City during COVID, you're greeted by the National Guard. You know, mm. it's... Uh, it was right at that time, and um, we had our appointments and everything. And I did some blood work, and then uh, we went to we went to meet Doctor Diamond in an office, just like any old office, like you know, like you're going to see a doctor. It's just he's two thousand miles away instead of down the street. And make a long story short, and he just walked in like like everything was going to be okay. He said, "I've looked at all your scans. I've seen everything." and and he had a plan. He had a plan for getting me better. Hmm. And um, he's as cool as a cucumber. He's about the coolest person you'll ever meet in your entire life. And uh, <laughs> just told me about, I'm, um, I, I think I know what I'm going to do with you. And I think it may make you start feeling better. And we're going to see how these drugs work before we do anything crazy. And um, I said, uh, all right. Turns out he's right. Turns out Dr. Diamond is really, really, really smart. So lucky for me. And then he, with his expertise, he knew what to do. He sent me to Dr. Francis, who's an eye doctor and specializes in like, I don't even know what it's called, histiocytosis of the eye or whatever. Well, she's a specialist. I they don't even have those doctors out here in California. And she, um, she took a look at me and said, well doesn't look like there's any nerve damage. So, wow, that's really good news when you're talking about your eye. So we're going to see. We're going to see what these drugs that Dr. Diamond thinks uh, that you should take, and we're going to see what happened. So I started taking those on April 1st, uh, 2021, and it's a game changer. The whole game changed. I went from literally everything going bad, only bad news, meeting with doctors, only all bad news. You're going to lose your sight. This may do you in. To hope, to things changing, things getting better. That's what I think of Dr. Diamond and Dr. Francis. They're, they're special people. And like I've said before, Dr. Diamond is, he's great. He's as cool as it gets. And Dr. Francis is an angel sent from heaven. She is special. So... You now see them pretty often, um, a couple times a year, you mentioned. How, how has your relationship with them or other healthcare professionals evolved during this journey? Well, with them, I, I, you know, it's, you know they're, they're, I've told Dr. Diamond, he's, he's everything to me. 
And I've told Dr. Francis the same thing. And so my relationship with them, I'm sure, is quite different than their relationship with me. (laughs) And as I've told Dr. Diamond, I mean, he saved my life. So that can kind of change your relationship with a certain person. And I know I'm, I'm just another patient, but uh, and he's got a lot of people out there in a lot worse shape than me. But um, I feel like I have a relationship with him now. You know, he's looking after me. He, he cares about me. He wants me to get better. Um, you know, and I, I just feel like he, he's, you know, obviously someone special in my life now. And uh, I feel like, he knows me and he knows who I am and he knows my family and he wants me to, he wants me to get better. And Dr. Francis, who looks after my vision and my eyes is, you know, the same way she, she sees me and, and she saved my sight. I, I truly believe she did. And, uh, like I said, she's an angel. So it's a, it's an interesting relationship, right? They're my everything. And I'm just another patient. But they really, really make me feel like I'm special. So they're really good at that. You know, I, I work with uh, with histio doctors on a daily basis. And um, what's really interesting about them is that not only their dedication to finding better treatments and a cure for these diseases, but the fact that you're not just another patient to them. You know, they care individually about every single one because they know how rare these diseases are and how they affect, you know, everybody's life and, and affect their lives differently. So I can assure you, you're not just another patient to them. But it, it's, it's, you feel like you have, I have like a ECD an Erdheim Chester's disease bond with Dr. Yeah. Diamond, you know, of all the relationships I ever thought I would have in my life. I never thought it would, uh, I would have this, uh, relationship with this doctor. That's, I have a, Erdheim Chester disease bond with him. He's a special <laughs> person. Tell us how, how you feel today. How are you doing? I feel great. I, uh, I take my medicine like a good boy. I go to the <laughs> doctor like a good boy. And all the things Dr. Diamond said are true. And like I said earlier, he's really smart. And I do what he tells me. And I, and, um, the meds he put me on, it's a game changer. It's absolutely a game changer. It's like, it's a miracle. That's all it is. And I feel great. I have my life back. My legs don't ache any longer. That was like one of the least of my worries, right? But my legs used to ache. They don't. My eye was driving me bananas. I had a two centimeter cancerous mass behind my left eye. And that eye was driving me crazy. It doesn't bother me. Hardly bothers me. I use eye drops, and I can't even complain about it. My gut was as bloated as it could be, and that's pretty much gone, you know. And I, it's just, it's. I, I feel I feel better than I did when I was forty, mm, maybe forty-five. Like that. <laughs> that's great. Great news. So if you could send a message back to yourself in those early days, what would what would you have wanted yourself to know then? Oh, for sure that there's hope. That there's mm-hmm. good news out there. There's um there's doctors who know. And I don't blame any of the doctors. They can't all know everything. There's 7,000, I think now they're talking like there's 10,000 rare diseases. It's impossible for one person or one group to know everything. But 
there are doctors who do know. And if you can find those doctors, there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of good news. Because like I said earlier, you look up Erdheim Chester disease on the internet and there ain't a lot of good news. So these, um, these doctors, um, they can bring you hope, which in the beginning, obviously, when you, you start finding out what the problem is, is, uh, you know, you don't have a lot of hope because there's not a lot of good news. So you start checking your life insurance. You start wondering about how your family's going to get by. So it, uh, it, gets, uh, it gets heavy fast. Mm. Well, I think you may have kind of already answered this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What would you want our listeners to know specifically about ECD, especially coming to the end of this awareness month? Good, smart doctors matter. They matter. And it's nothing against the other doctors out there. They can't all know everything. But a doctor like Dr. Diamond who makes this his passion, it matters. Because these good, smart doctors make a huge difference. Right. That's, that's exactly what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> now, as we kind of get, get close to wrapping up here, I, I believe that even in the most difficult and ugly circumstances that we can find beauty. What would you say has been the most beautiful thing that's come out of this experience for you? I don't know. The most beautiful thing to come out of this experience is just, I guess it's all these people from my wife to my kids, to my family, to my dad, my brothers, my, all these people that care about me. I mean, my friends, all these people that took some time and cared about me. They didn't have to, they don't have to care about me. Coworkers, people I work with, friends of mine, far and wide, my wife, my, they, they, it's just, that's the thing. And it's amazing. People do care. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and you I'm sure you really got to see exactly how many of those people there were when when all of this happened. So it's a it's a good reminder how loved you are. Well, finally, before before we end, I have one final question for you. I always like to give my guests the opportunity to share any final thoughts that they would like to share. Is there is there anything that you'd like to share with our Histio community? That there's hope. There's hope out there. Uh, don't give up. Keep fighting. There's doctors out there that can help. And it might seem it might seem um, really tough or bad where you're at, but um, there's some treatments out there that are game changing, and they're um, and it's amazing. These new do- these doctors are um, are figuring it out. So there's some hope out there for you. Awesome. I think that that is the perfect way to end as we uh, close out Histio Awareness Month. I want to I thank you again so much for coming on and for shedding some light on and, and awareness for ECD and what your experience has been like. It was honestly an, an honor to have you. I've got, had the privilege of getting to know you a little bit over the last uh, year and a half or so, and uh, it's always so fun to talk to you. Your story really is so inspiring. I know that you've uh, impacted so many people and will continue to do so as you, as you continue on this journey. So thank you so very much. No, my pleasure. I, I really appreciate all the things you're doing, helping spread awareness like you opened up with. It is all about awareness. Every time I go to a doctor, I, uh, 
I tell them about Erdheim's Chester disease because someone's got to get the word out. Thanks so much, Kathy. So there you have it. Barry's incredible journey from the uncertainty of diagnosis to his inspiring journey beyond the diagnosis is a testament to the strength and resilience that can be found within us all, especially when we lean on the support of loved ones and a dedicated medical team. Barry's story reminds us that a histiocytosis diagnosis is just the beginning of a unique journey. And while it may bring its challenges, it can also open doors to unexpected moments of hope, courage, and connection. Just as Barry found hope through unwavering support of his family, friends, and team of doctors, so too can you find strength in your own support network on your own journey. Remember, you are not alone on this path. The Histiocytosis Association and community, your medical team, and podcasts like Beyond the Diagnosis are here to provide knowledge, resources, and most importantly, a community of people who understand what you're going through. No matter where you are in your journey, know that there is hope, there is resilience, and there is a bright tomorrow waiting for you. Keep sharing your stories, keep seeking knowledge, and keep moving forward. Together, we can navigate beyond the diagnosis and into a future filled with possibilities. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Beyond the Diagnosis. Stay strong, stay connected, and keep believing in the power of hope. If you like this episode, please consider leaving a review, sharing with a friend, leaving us a comment, taking a screenshot of the episode and tagging us on Instagram at histiocytosis underscore association, or by clicking in the link in the show notes to learn more about how you can support this podcast as we continue to bring you the topics and conversations that most interest you. And of course, don't forget to subscribe so you're notified every time a new episode of Beyond the Diagnosis is released. Remember, we want to hear from you. If you have an idea for a podcast episode, you can email it to podcast at histio.org and put podcast idea in the subject line. For links to websites, studies, articles, or resources referenced in today's episode, be sure to check the show notes. As always, we've so enjoyed bringing you this episode of the podcast and look forward to sharing our next episode coming soon. Until then, take good care.